You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Yes, we have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. It is the Halloween episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. And joining us tonight is from the the pop culture palette, the, the meat smoker himself, <laughs> Mr. Wallace Phelps. That sounds vaguely erotic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it sounded a little dirtier than I meant it, but you know, you know what I mean. I enjoy those roast beef sandwiches. So. <laughs> I didn't know this was going to be that kind of podcast. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's, it, this is our uh, uh, NC seventeen podcast for the year. <laughs> we haven't said anything that that'll get us a, a rating. <laughs> <laughs> you have my attention. So this is our uh, a special episode. We're not going to be talking about video games tonight. <gasps> Well, then what are we no, going to be talking about? What, what, what are we going to talk about? You know, there's a lot more to the 80s and the 90s than video games. I mean, you know, not much, but there are movies. And we do like movies around here, don't we? Yes, we do. Mostly. And tonight, we're going to be talking about one of my absolute favorite movies of all time, They Live. Such a good movie. I, I actually, um, I'm going to have kind of a fresh take on this because I had never seen the movie before and I finished it literally 10 minutes before uh, you called me, Jason. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You're, you're telling me that this is your first time seeing the movie? Yes. Holy cow. Dun, yeah, I, I, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just it skipped right through my childhood. So wow, uh, I've I've been I've been wanting to see it, but I've I haven't just sat down and watched it. And that was why, like when we were talking about movies we were going to review, I was like, well, I've never seen this movie before, and I've been wanting to watch it for a while. So so thought, why not? Give me your take on it. I, I have to hear it from the the mouth of someone who's never seen this movie before, doesn't have any nostalgia for it. Does it does it hold up to someone who has never seen the movie before? Well, I grew up watching the 80s style movies, so I, I kind of knew what to expect as far as the aesthetic look of the movie. Um, it, it was chock full of 80s stuff, you know, from the effects to the music, the way it was shot, the end credits. It It was chock full of 80s goodness and i i actually really really enjoyed it you know i do like john carpenter 
Uh, so, you know, knowing that he made the movie, I knew I was going to at least enjoy it to some extent. And, you know, growing up a wrestling fan, you know, I, I loved Rowdy Roddy Piper. So um, never seen any movies that he was in. Like I knew he left for a period of time to to go into acting. And I knew about this movie for, you know, the longest time. Everybody knows the oh, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum hmm. thing. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. I will say the thing that blew my mind was Keith David did not look like Keith David at all. Like I was like, who is this guy? And as soon as he opened his mouth, I was like, holy shit. Oh yeah. That's you know Keith that David. voice, that, that dude, I would reckon he has one of the most recognizable voices in Hollywood. I mean, up there with like, you know, Morgan Freeman, and uh, like George Carlin, like he's one of those guys you hear his voice and you automatically know who he is. I would love if he did like a, a voiceover intro for the Nerd Cave Retro. Oh my oh, that'd god, that'd be amazing! How that would awesome be sick. Would that be. I mean, would would it be in character or would it be him? You know, hello, this is Keith David, and blah, you know, that kind of thing. Oh my god, that'd be. We have to make that happen. We have to. Ah, that would be so good. But before we move any further, let's go ahead and I'll, I'll tell the plot of the film. Tonight, we're going to be talking about John Carpenter's They Live. Uh, it was released on, um, let me make sure, the release date was November 4th, 1988. It was actually supposed to come out, I think, uh, about a month before that. It was supposed to come out in October, but they didn't want it to be up against um, Halloween 4. So they actually pushed it. Here it is. Uh, it was originally... Uh, the original promotional material was October 21st, 1988, but it was pushed back two weeks to avoid direct competition with Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. And the plot of the film is it follows an unnamed drifter referred to as John Nada in the film film's credits, who discovers that the ruling class are in fact aliens concealing their appearance and manipulating people to spend money, breed, and accept the status quo with subliminal messages in mass media. They Live is based on the 1963 short story, 8 O'Clock in the Morning, by Ray Nelson. And I think the craziest thing about this movie, you know, the 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 social commentary that this movie is, is based on, I mean, it is thick with social commentary. And that's what, in, you know, in my mind, makes for good science fiction. And that's why, me personally... I think this is one of the best science fiction movies ever made. I mean, this is up there with The Matrix and Blade Runner, whichever one of the 85 different versions you want to watch. Um, it is up there as a almost a perfect science fiction movie. And what makes it perfect to me is because it's still, the, the social commentary of this movie still holds up in today's climate, even more so today what do you guys think about that? Because if you were to take this movie and just remake it today, it be this, you wouldn't have to change much. You would just have to add cell phones. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, yeah, I was actually thinking the entire time I was re watching this movie, how it could be modernized. And because the, uh, and spoiler alert for everybody, the, at the end of it, he has to blow up a TV tower, basically. Mm. And honestly, that it, it it could be a cell tower. I mean, that's really the easiest thing to do is just basically have it where... Honestly, it, it, it there's parallels in 
Stephen King's story, uh, more modern story, Cell. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, not really, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, well, I mean, where, I, I know, see the I see the connection there. Yeah, where you can be controlling the the populace with a a signal through their cell phone, and that would be a wonderful way. So the the one thing I don't think we actually explained it very well as far as the whole idea is that these uh, aliens, these creatures are actually controlling the populace with subliminal messagery as well as a signal that yeah. is constantly being broadcast through televisions, even while they are off. And if, just think about that, because right now, how long ago was it where we were all talking about how we were going to buy Xboxes without the Connect because they're going to be on at all times watching yeah. us <laughs> or, you know, just just things like that that are still very um, contemporary about this film that we could just swap out for whatever modern technology we have. Yeah, and another big uh, thing we didn't go over, the one of the biggest plot points of the movie is there. there's a... Uh, group of rebels, human rebels that somehow, and they never explain it in the movie, but they somehow come uh, just, I guess they must have discovered by accident uh, making these sunglasses that wearing these particular sunglasses will block the signal because the signal is being sent through your eyes. So yes. if you use the, the glasses, it breaks the signal. And of course you can see, everything that's really going on, um, which is kind of cool. The way they do it in the movie is uh, through when you're looking at, when you're looking through uh, Roddy Piper's kind of first person point of view uh, throughout the movie, uh, it changes to black and white and everything you see from money to, you know, magazines, billboards, when he puts on these glasses, he doesn't see what everyone else sees anymore. He sees, he sees things like obey or procreate, conform, consume, reproduce. I mean, it's uh, it's a complete uh, social commentary about consumerism and especially about like 80s economics as far as like, you know, Reaganomics and things that were, that are still kind of being done today, you know, like trickle down economics or, or voodoo economics, like the whole just consumerism and just the love of money and the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And everybody's just basically cattle for these uh, aliens that have come and basically put us to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the thing that really stuck out to me as far as just a simple quote was, you know, the, you see at the beginning of the film uh, when they show the title, they live and it's spray painted on, mm -hmm. on a wall and you see the, uh, the, they live, you sleep, which means where will your consciousness take you when the sleep is washed from your eyes? Welcome to the real world. That's on the, the IMDB summary. Um, it, it really is kind of a, it's an interesting comparison to things that are going on today. Cause like you guys said, you could remake this, and not really have to change anything. You just add some modern technology to it. Yeah. It, it, it really, it really especially kind of speaks to things that are going on today. And this was made almost 30 years ago. And um, another thing I, I, I wanted to talk about was this movie came out uh, the same year 
as Alien Nation. Do you guys remember that movie, which was then turned into a, a TV show on Fox for a while? I never saw either of those, but I know what you're talking about. Because when I was a kid, I've never heard of it. And this movie came out. I wanted to see this movie very badly because I was a huge WWF fan when I was a kid. Rowdy Roddy Piper was one of my favorite wrestlers. And of course, this movie came out when I was 11 years old. And my parents were not going to take me to a rated R movie when I was 11 years old. So this movie kind of came and went. But. Uh, I had always gotten this movie sort of confused afterwards with Alien Nation until, uh, you know, I was in high school when I first saw this movie and I had forgotten about it after it left because, you know, it it did well. I think it made like 30 million dollars and I think it only cost like 11 to make. So it was kind of a success, uh, but it quickly left the theaters and they just kind of left the pop culture for a while and didn't really surface again until a few years later, like in the nineties when they used to start playing it on like monster vision and things like that. And then it really kind of took on another life of its own, especially on, on video uh, in the nineties. Yeah. And it has such an iconic uh, VHS cover with, you know, a very extreme close up of, uh, Roddy Piper's face with a reflection of one of the creatures in his mm. sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> and that that is such a cool image. It reminds me of the brain dead um, poster where the person's opening up their mouth and there's a zombie inside of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, You're talking that, about that dead alive. Yeah, I said it by the actual New Zealand name. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> But actually, um, I do want to talk about Rowdy Roddy Piper, but let me play this clip before we actually go into uh, the actors in this movie, which I think the acting in this movie still is really good. But let me play this clip. We have faith in our leaders. We're optimistic as to what becomes of it all. It really boils down to our ability to accept. We don't need pessimism. There are no limits. <laughs> it figures it would be something like this. Our nation, our oh. of Excuse me. Just survive. You know, you look like your head fell on the cheese dip back in 1957. <gasps> you, you're okay. This one, real fucking ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Still one of my favorite lines from the movie. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, it's nobody pretty... could deliver that line like Roddy Roddy Piper could. No, that's that's you were saying that the acting is fantastic. And to be honest, Roddy Piper should have been in more movies. I was. Yes. This is what I want to talk about. I think Roddy Piper got got a raw deal when it came to acting because he put so much underneath his performance in this movie. Yeah, I mean it's it's very layered, and he's he starts out the movie very optimistic, even though he's on hard times. But I mean, as soon as he finds those, I mean, the whenever he opens up the box and discovers that it it's filled with these sunglasses, I mean, his reaction was. Of, of course. I mean, of course, this is, I just wasted all my time. 
and it's just a bunch of sunglasses. And then when he puts them on for the first time, his performance is fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's just so real. I mean, I someone like the salt of the earth fellow yeah. just found out that the world is nothing the way it, it seems. And of course he's going to react that way. <laughs> well, not only that, but just the way the, the on-screen chemistry that he had with Keith David, you know, those oh, two guys. Yeah, it was I, really good. You know, uh, like Kurt Russell was as is synonymous with John Carpenter as well. Like he was in like eight John Carpenter movies. I really think that you could have taken a lot of those roles that uh, he that um, that he was in and put Roddy Piper in those roles, and he would have done a phenomenal job. Yeah. No, I think you know with with Roddy Piper, you got to look back at you know his wrestling career. He was one of the best talkers of all time. His, his performances were, even though wrestling is predetermined, you know, his performance made you believe that it could be real because of the way he would talk. He would, the way he would talk to his opponents, the way he would talk into the camera, you were just kind of naturally drawn into what he said. And it was the same with, with this movie, you know, as I'm sitting there watching it, you know, I, I would perk up anytime he would talk because I could see a little bit of his wrestling persona in a way come through on the screen. And I, I, I just thought it was great. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, the uh, eponymous line that he says, I have come to, to kick ass and chew bubble. He, he ad libbed that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was actually, he, he did a bunch of takes with different things he's wanted to say on WWF television and, and wouldn't, they wouldn't approve. So he, that was one of them and it is amazing. But uh, speaking of him and Keith David, I have another clip here I want to play. Uh, and this goes into what turned, what was supposed to be a 20 second fight yeah. turned into five and a half minutes because uh, Keith David and Rowdy Roddy Piper wanted to make the fight pretty much as real as possible. So they rehearsed it for a few weeks in actual uh, John Carpenter's uh, where he had his office kind of in the, the back, like the backyard of his office and and rehearsed this fight for weeks. And John Carpenter kept in all five and a half minutes of the fight. And uh, this is the beginning of the fight right here. Yo, one week's pay. It's the best I could do. Wait! Hey! You better find yourself someplace to hide and keep praying nobody ever finds you. Try these on. Look, you crazy mother. Put these on. Hey! Stay away from me! I'm telling you, you dumb son of a... Trying to save you and your family's life. You couldn't even save your own! <laughs> I'm giving you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. Not this year. Our... 
<laughs> I love that my, line. Not this year. My, <laughs> my favorite line in that whole fight is where Piper punches him in the dick and he goes, you dirty motherfucker. You're going to eat this trash can. I mean, just to watch those two dudes fight for that long and you know that they're just like, if there was a fight for real like that, those dudes would look like they did at the end of the fight. Like, as soon after that happens, they're walking into that, uh, or they go check into that um, that Roach Motel, and they're just so beat to shit. Especially Piper, man. His face was all swollen and everything. Yeah. Like, it, the, the effects were really good. I, I kind of, you know, as I was watching that, I'm like, I wonder if he really punched him in the face that hard, because... Well, that movie didn't have a huge budget. <laughs> well, it said in the, uh, the 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 trivia that they they were really hitting everywhere except for the groin and the face. Oh, everything wow. else was real. You dirty motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. But yeah, uh, I love that. It's still, I think, the best fight scene ever in any movie yeah. of all time. It was good. It was really good. But along with Keith David, another uh, one of the main actors in the movie, Meg Foster. Oh, Meg Foster. Probably the <laughs> the most beautiful, uh, haunting set of eyes on a human being that has ever been filmed. And can I just say that her performance was terrible? <laughs> <laughs> She's not the best actress. <laughs> but she did she fit this role really well though she like she kind of had this almost disconnected performance yeah you know i i thought the same thing i mean when all is said and done i don't know if it was a choice that was being made or what it was because i mean to be honest if if it is a choice that was being made then i feel like the t- twist was was protracted too much yeah um you know because i i figured i I figured that out immediately (laughs) you know i mean it it just seemed too odd and honestly the first meeting with her is too much of a coincidence to me but if i have any gripes at all it is the inclusion of that character well yeah she doesn't really serve a purpose when you really think about it in, in the, the entire storyline, like what real purpose does she serve other than to push him down a mountain basically, and then show up at the end and shoot him. Or yeah. Try it's to almost like, like Wally was saying, it's almost too coincidental. Yeah. I never really I mean, thought I- about that till just now. I mean, it just seems it seems so out of left field. I mean, not not the twist, but the uh, the character. In fact, it just seemed odd to me. Like there, you know, I know movies have to be, um, what's the word, economical when it comes to you know love uh, subplots, but at the same time, this one just seems so. I don't know. He got he got too infatuated with her yeah. for this woman that threw him out of a damn window. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, the, there wasn't anything special about her other than you saying that you know she had those 
haunting eyes and everything, but she was just so stiff. I mean, yeah. it didn't seem like the type of person that he, his character would go for at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, the only other thing I remember her from in the eighties was she played evil Lynn in the masters of the universe movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that that gives you an idea of her career trajectory. <laughs> Not that that was a bad thing, but you know, that wasn't the best no. movie. No. <laughs> what that, that, that was a bad movie. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> Um, and some of the, uh, the the trivia for the movie, and I actually wanted to bring this up to you, Wally, because I don't know if you noticed this in the movie, uh, but the communicators used by the guards near the end how, are also the PKE meters. Notice. You just asked me if I noticed that they were using PKE meters. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I noticed, you would. I, I mean, whenever, whenever the guy, whenever the guy, like the first time you see it, it's a communicator and, and there's a couple of security guards next to like a checkpoint of some point, uh, which they totally abandoned for whatever reason. And uh, they're talking on a PKE meter and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, this hall is haunted as hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they, you know, and they used it in different different shots. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but that particular prop was just a prop in a prop shop that the uh, studio had. So yeah. if a low-budget film was making something and they needed a quick sci-fi-looking device, that's what they used. So you'll see that in, you know, They Live. But, you know, also movies around that time, like Suburban Commando used it uh, to bring it back around to another wrestler. Uh, and, uh, uh, so, so take a look at that. You'll, you'll see that same exact prop in suburban commando. So, um, and frankly, I want one. Uh, another <laughs> thing about the, uh, the, this movie was, uh, the aliens superficially resemble walking, rotting corpses. John Carpenter didn't want the aliens to look like high tech creatures of other science fiction films. He decided that since these beings were corrupting humanity, they themselves should resemble corruptions of human beings. What did you guys think about the way the aliens looked in this film? Honestly, I I didn't mind it. You know, I was expecting because I, I knew aliens were involved in some way, but I didn't know exactly what they would look like. And my initial thought was, oh, they just look like they look like corpses. I thought it was a unique take. Yeah, um, so I I didn't mind it. Yeah, I love that design, and for for a couple of reasons. I mean, it's iconic. the first one. It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> if I like at the end of the movie when when everybody's finally able to see the creatures, I mean, it it, it really that would freak me the hell out. Oh yeah. I mean, how would you feel if you were, I mean, and that's another thing that, that goes into Roddy Roddy Piper's performance is if you were to have something like this happen to you, where you got these glasses and you put them on and all of a sudden you saw, you know, what he is seeing and, you know, the veil has been pulled off and you're seeing things for the way they really are. And there's these messed up, you know, corpse looking creatures and everything says obey and, you know, consume and 
everything's just nutty looking like how would you react that's true like let's get out of here school <laughs> i think his performance was spot on especially when he first got the glasses because it just because you think about that and you're and roddy roddy piper is so underrated and i really wish that the dude could have had more of a chance in action movies i think he really got the short end of the stick when it came to action movies or movies yeah. in general yeah i would agree with that i mean to be honest i, I think it, there was nuances to his performance and there's not Whenever I mean, look at different wrestlers' first acting roles. Uh, I mean, uh, big acting roles. Like, you know, the the Rock, for example, uh, was in the second Mummy movie, and his performance was so over the top that it broke the CG that created him at the end of the film. Um, <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. It's <laughs> so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, and Hulk Hogan. Oh my God, he couldn't. He couldn't have a nuanced performance if someone else was doing it for him. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, I mean, and, and Hulk Hogan was so bad. He made he made Christopher Lloyd look over the top. <laughs> I was frozen today, but uh, it, 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 but Piper. Oh my God, why? Is he not in more movies? <laughs> this is a national tragedy. <laughs> it is. And, oh, yeah. you know, Rowdy Rowdy Piper was taken from us way too soon. I actually liked his podcast, The Piper's Pit. I was always a fan of his back in the 80s. He was one of my favorite wrestlers. So I really wish we would have more movies. I actually saw for the very first time not too long ago. Have you, have you heard of a movie called Hell Comes to Frogtown? I heard of it. I have not. Oh, we got to watch this movie. Uh, I doubt it. Together <laughs> and talk about it because they live. It is not. Uh, it's so weird. Like, I can't, I, I can't even describe it. Well, I remember uh, an a episode of How Did This Get Made where they discussed this movie. Oh. And I don't want to watch it. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> based on... Yeah, I mean, the if, correct me if I'm wrong, but the premise is that he's basically the he is a hot rod, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> where he has to go into Frog Town, which is called Frog Town because it's filled with frog people. Yeah, and he I, I, goes on a boning mission. Yeah, and goes to what uh, Jason Manzukis would like to call the Bone Zone, and raw dogged all these uh, frogs. <laughs> Yeah, wow. uh, that's about as close <laughs> as I can get to the, the plot. Um, he's basically one of the few men left who are able to impregnate anyone. So he's taken prisoner and used as uh, a walking uh, inseminator, <laughs> basically. And there is really a town called Frogtown, and they're, ma and they're full of frog people. It is... Ooh, it is out there, but I don't want it to talk about that movie. It is the greatest motion picture ever put to film. <laughs> uh, but I the greatest have, motion picture of all time. It I needs have... to be restored to 4K and shown. No, <laughs> in, in every in every IMAX screen we can find. 
I've never seen it, but I'll allow that. I, I would love to watch <laughs> it with you guys just to see the looks on your face. Cause I, cause I actually kind of like it, but it is one of those movies where you're just like, <laughs> this is so freaking weird. I can't not like it. Like this is just so beyond weird, but I actually have uh, one more clip to play before we start wrapping up. And uh, this is one of my favorite lines in the movie. And I say this all the time, especially to my cats. I say that to my cats all the time. Hey there, little fella. And I get that. Hey there, little movie. fella. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Oh, you know what? That That's another thing that, that just kind of struck me is, is that whenever he blew up the little surveillance bot thing that, you know, he, he, he does a wonderful job of selling the fact that debris is falling on him when yeah. nothing is there. <laughs> <laughs> So what I'm saying, he puts in such a good performance for this movie. And honestly, this movie ties. I have two like John Carpenter is my favorite director. I love almost everything the man has done. I mean, yeah, he's had some stinkers who hasn't. But uh, this they live and um, in the mouth of madness run neck and neck for my favorite not only John Carpenter movies, but two of my favorite movies of all time. And they kind of always flip-flop. Uh, and normally, in, in, when I run across people when we're talking about movies, I usually try to push in the mouth of madness on them because normally most people have seen They Live, or at least know of They Live. A lot of people have never heard of In the Mouth of Madness, so that's the one I always try to push on people. Um, but... I think when it really boils down to it, I think they live wins out for me. Uh, not only is it, it's, it's, it's the perfect John Carpenter movie. Like if you want to know about John Carpenter and his directing style and um, his writing, his, the, the aesthetic he puts into the movie. Um, not only that, but, he did the soundtrack as well. He does most of his soundtracks because he is a musician. So mm -hmm. everything about this movie is complete John Carpenter. And I think it's one of the best, not only science fiction movies, but just one of the best movies of all time. And I'm going to stand by that. No, it was, like I said at the top of the show, you know, this was my first time actually seeing any part of the movie other than the, you know, I'm here to chew bubble gum and kick ass quote. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It reminded me a lot of movies that I grew up on uh, from back in the eighties. So I, I regret not having seen it sooner, but I, I really liked it. And it, it's something uh, I think I might've mentioned this before we started recording, but there's so many great quotes in this movie besides the chew bubble gum and kick ass one. 
Like there, there you know, there's the the you dirty motherfucker that we yeah. talked about earlier. Uh, <laughs> yes. One one of my favorites is when uh, Roddy Piper says, "Life's a bitch," and she's back in heat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's one that me and Wally used to say all the time at work. Like when we would have to show somebody new around, we'd be we'd always say, "Why don't you show them around? Give them the grand tour." <laughs> the grand tour. <laughs> the grand tour. <laughs> uh, I, I really, I really love the 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 quote. You're not the only son of a bitch who just woke up, or you know that the, the it, just woke it, up out of your dreams. Just yeah. woke up out of your dream, and it, it the movie is ahead of its time. <laughs> oh, by far. And, and and to think that this also they this came out the same year as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even think about that. No, I didn't that. even think I didn't huh. think about that either. Yeah, I'm putting this in context for everybody. So <laughs> it's it's like, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit and then they live came out. Wow. That's crazy to think about. Everybody got quiet. It's like <laughs> like whoa. That can't be right. Next year this movie is going to be 30 years old. Yep. So we're going to have insane. to revisit this movie next year around this time. No, we'll, we'll do a show on in November of next year celebrating the 30th anniversary. And I wonder if they're going to do any sort of, uh, you know, 30th anniversary edition of They Live. I would hope so. Because it says here that uh, uh, Studio Canal released a Blu-ray on March 2nd, 2012. Uh, and it was also released, uh, uh, Shout Factory released a collector's edition of the film in both DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, I've never gotten this on Blu-ray. I only, I only have, uh, the DVD version, uh, which I've had forever. Yeah. Um, well, just to let you know, it, next year is the 30th anniversary of not only this movie, so, so hopefully every weekend there's going to be a 30th anniversary re-release of a movie because we could probably do it over all 52 weeks. Probably. Uh, I, I'm not joking because they live, of course, but there's Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Die Hard, Rain Man, Coming to America, A Fish Called Wanda, Beetlejuice, The Naked Gun, oh Midnight God. Run, Willow, Bull Durham, The Original Child's Play, Big, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. <laughs> yeah you know what all of these movies came out in 1988 i thought 1984 was a good year for movies but i think 1988 might have it beat the great outdoors young guns the oh. land before time <laughs> <laughs> wow wow crocodile dundee book two and you know uh, blood crazy? sport <laughs> i saw i remember seeing crocodile dundee in the theater that's right, which is right before <laughs> this movie came out. You know, I probably saw hoping, the trailer in front of it. Um, I'm kind of hoping next year, if they do have a 30th anniversary showing of They Live at the Pritania Theater in New Orleans, I think that the three of us should um, take a road trip to New Orleans oh, absolutely. to see it on the I'm big down. screen. And then two months later, we'll we'll uh, go see uh, the 30th re-release of Scrooged. Oh, so wow. many good movies that I want a time machine. I want to go back to 1988. <laughs> and I just want to watch uh, movies all year. <laughs> that's amazing. Damn. What a good year for movies. I know. I but, still think um, 1984 is a better year, but that's beside the point. So what do you think, Derek? Is this a movie that's going to go into the regular rotation for you? 
I think so. I, I actually want to watch it again just to see if there's any like little nuances that I might have missed the first time. Because you, you know how it is the first time you see a movie oh, yeah. and you go back a second time. You're like, oh, I didn't see this. So I, I definitely am looking forward to to watching it again. I might I'm going to add this probably to my um, my Halloween rotation, along with like Rocky Horror Picture Show and some other ones as well. Awesome. So what about you? Wally? So, where does uh, where does they live fall on your your movie scale? Honestly, I don't know. Um, it's it's pretty high up there because it's one of those movies that is so iconic and so it, it's it's one of those things that is kind of in the language of pop culture. So you know, if somebody says I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum, everyone knows what that's from. And, you know, and you see on Twitter all the time where people will do different things. You know, it's like uh, uh, I am here to chew bubblegum and, and respect women and I'm all out of bubblegum, you know, things, <laughs> things like that. And, and it's like you can't escape it. I mean, it, it, I mean, of course, with Obey, uh, there, you see the uh, the street artist and his products and, you know, the. Uh, you know, for a long time in the 90s, there was the uh, you'd see every skateboard would, was emblazoned with it. Uh, I mean, it, it's it is one of those things that you will not be able to escape. And even South Park parodied the fight scene in the cripple fight episode. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest episodes. I meant to bring that up. <laughs> of South Park the whole time. <clears throat> <laughs> and uh not this year and i haven't i haven't done that this year i haven't i haven't done my cartman in years <laughs> but oh my god uh, but they um it, it's just something that you're never going to and and you i think video games have really uh been influenced by they live because there are you know, just just think of the different games that you that you've played where uh, the NPCs are not what they seem, yeah. or or even the uh, the different visions that you can have. Like for example, when uh, in the Arkham games, the the bat vision thing that happens just reminds me of this movie for some reason because you know it's like putting on your sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's. It, it, it just I see the influence everywhere, even if it's not there. I see it. So one last yeah. question before we go, and I'm going to pose this to each of you. If you had, you know, if you were given this movie to remake, like, let's just say uh, John Carpenter comes to you and says, I want you to remake. They live here. Here. Here's the rights. Go, go remake it. Who are you going to cast in the Roddy Roddy Piper role? Huh. God, that's a tough question to answer. I kind of think maybe I would pick Dave Batista. Go from one wrestler to another? Yeah. Why not? I actually really liked him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I think he could handle it. I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking, I mean, because, I mean, Piper. Piper had the every main quality about him. They're, yeah. they're just, yeah. Batista just seems so 
you know, his his physique just seems grandois or whatever. You know, it just seems like larger than life. Because like, if the Rock wasn't as in shape, I would say the Rock. But <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm 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 trying to think of somebody good. But I mean, really, the only the only thing that I'm thinking right now is like uh, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Yeah, but he doesn't really have that everyman quality about him, though. I don't know. He 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 does to me. Cause, I mean, yeah, he's a good-looking fellow, but he he's not like Channing Tatum, where you know <laughs> you see him and you're like, that's a model, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> he 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 just seems to be like the the really good-looking guy that's married to the to, to the lady across the street. That's also pretty good-looking. You know who I think would do do well. Uh, in the role, uh, what's his name? He's the guy that's playing Hellboy now. Uh, he was in uh, Stranger Things. I like that. Oh, um, that yeah. Uh, what's, what's his, his name? name? Let me look it up. Um, real let me quick. see. Harbor, David Harbor. Is that, Is his, that name? his name? Uh, let's see. Looking up on IMDb. I love all these uh, posters that are inspired by other things. Yes. Yeah, David, David Harbor. Harbor. Mm-hmm. David Harbour would be an, an inspired choice. Who would be his partner? Huh. Tyrese? Mm, uh, I don't know. Um, Tyrese is a little too funny. I, I don't know. I, you could say the same for... Uh... I guess so, because I, I can't think of anything he's done that's not been at least a little bit funny. Um, hmm. I don't know. This is a tough question. And he uh, might be a little old, but I wouldn't mind Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I think he could do yeah. do well in that role. I mean, we could put Michael B. Jordan in there. <laughs> yeah, that would work. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's old enough, but by the yeah. time we get the funding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Holly, who would we have as Holly? Hmm. Well, we have to have somebody with a little bit more personality that could that could really uh, make that twist happen well. Somebody likable too. Hmm. Does it have to be a redhead or? No, God no, <laughs> no, not necessarily. <laughs> no, we're not. No. Um. I mean, the the first my, my initial thought is um, Amy Adams. No, Charlie Theron. Ooh, oh, that's closer. That's a good choice. You know what? Yeah, I like that, but it just seems like this movie's getting expensive. <laughs> Uh, I'll say I'll say Mia Jovovich or oh, that's not a terrible choice either. Kristen Bell. Yeah. Yeah, I like that choice. Kristen Bell would work. Yeah. Get her agent on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I uh, what's his name again uh, that we picked for uh, Harbor? Yeah, David Harbor. Um. I think Tom Hardy could do well in that role. Done. Let's talk to his people. Yeah, let's do this. Let's let's write our movie check. Let's get this thing going. 
<laughs> Who do we have producing? <laughs> us, three of us, we'll produce this thing. We gotta call. Uh, we gotta call some people. Um, the the rights to they live can't be expensive. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, wouldn't that be crazy if we could just like kickstart a? Uh, don't worry, you won't have to wor- worry about the money. But wouldn't it be great <laughs> if if we could kickstart? Our own production of help us uh, buy the rights to they, they live. live. <laughs> yeah, starter. <laughs> uh, right. That'd be awesome. It would be have Trent Reznor do the soundtrack. Oh, that'd be so and... great. Hell no, I want. Uh, I would hire John Carpenter to come back and do the music again. Well, but that's the thing. We would be because I don't think John Carpenter would actually want to do that. If if we could license his original and have a Trent Reznor version of that, yeah, I think that would be or a that Daft, would be a Daft Punk remix. <sighs> Daft Punk would be too dancey. Yeah, maybe. I don't want it to become uh, "They Live" legacy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and on that note let's go ahead and start wrapping this thing up before we before we go down this rabbit hole um <laughs> but wally thank you for coming on the show of course it was fun yeah absolutely thank fun you as so always much for having me on and uh, i want to wish everyone out there a very very happy halloween uh and we're actually pre-recording this like two weeks early so i'm not sure what we're going to be doing next week And I'm not sure whose turn is it to review a game, but we hope you enjoyed Halloween Horror Month here on the, the, almost said Pop Culture Palette, on the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And um, we're going to be doing this every year, so uh, we're going to be, next year, um, like I said, we'll probably do the 30th anniversary of They Live, and maybe we could do it live from the Pritania Theater. Wouldn't that be great? Maybe. That'd be fun. You know, it'd be really wonderful uh, is, uh, well, next week I'm going to be uh, reviewing uh, Custer's Revenge for the Atari 2600. So to answer that question, wow. but uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. No. <laughs> uh, but but uh, what'd be wonderful is if we could do like an interruption. Have you ever heard of uh, anybody doing that? No. Mm-mm. Where what it is, it's basically like a live mystery science theater where you do commentary over the movie while people are watching it. That would be so good. I would like, I that. would like to do that. Let's do that. That sounds fun. <laughs> Sign me up. I want to do Name that date and time and I'll be there. <laughs> so, and uh, on that note. Yes. But let me go ahead and get our music playing here. Oh, not that. Uh, not that. <laughs> I got a wrong button. Damn it. <laughs> Stupid. There we go. Uh, if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. You can follow us all individually at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond, at the real big wall. And you can go hear me and him over at at PCP show and Derek on his own other show at the diamond experience. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerd cave retro. And you can go to nerdcaveretro.com. So Derek, tell them what it's all about. Formaldehyde face. <laughs> been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.